Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Burger Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, October 7th, 2022. Coming up this hour. We await U.S. jobs data as stocks try to avoid a three-day slide. Fed officials overwhelmingly push back against the idea of cutting rates next year. The trial between Elon Musk and Twitter gets delayed and hopes the deal will close. And oil poised for a big weekly rally after OPEC's announced cut. The judge's ruling is a blow to New York State's new gun law, plus an NYPD cruiser crashes on to a sidewalk injuring 10 people. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stanshower. The Colts beat the Broncos in overtime. The Mets and Padres begin their wildcard playoff series tonight at City Field. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business App. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are lower this morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are down about six points. Dow futures are little changed. NASDAQ futures down 44. And the 10-year Treasury down 230 seconds, yield 3.83%. Nathan. Karen, let's begin this morning with talk from the Fed. Central bankers are coming out in full force to talk down expectations of a turn to more dovish policy. We heard hawkish comments from no less than five officials yesterday, including Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari. Until I see some evidence that underlying inflation has solidly peaked and is hopefully headed back down, I'm not ready to declare a pause. Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari said he expects losses and failures around the global economy as we transition to a higher interest rate environment. Likewise, Fed Governor Christopher Waller says he sees no signs of a Fed pivot either this or next year. I anticipate additional rate hikes into early next year, and I'll be watching the data carefully to decide the appropriate pace of tightening as we continue to move into more and more restrictive territory. Fed Governor Christopher Waller emphasized the need to fight inflation. We heard similar remarks yesterday from Cleveland Fed Chief Loretta Mester, Fed Governor Lisa Cook, and Chicago's Charles Evans. Well, let's take a look at the markets now, Nathan. U.S. stock index futures are mostly lower. That hawkish Fed talk and some weak earnings from chip makers are hitting sentiment. Jessica Beamer is portfolio manager with Easterly Investment Partners. I think we all have to understand that um, we're only going to get early hints of the Fed's full impact. A lot of the efforts that they've put out there are obviously huge increases in the interest rate, but that takes time to work its way through the economy and certainly on the jobs numbers that we're going to see. Jessica Beamer with Easterly Investment Partners says Fed policy could start hitting earnings in the coming months. Now that jobs report is the key event on the agenda today, Karen. We get the employment figures for September at 8.30 a.m. Wall Street time. Here with a preview is Bloomberg Economics correspondent Michael McKee. Employment is one of the Fed's two mandates, and this jobs report will be one of the key numbers as policymakers decide on a rate hike next month. What they'd like to see is job growth in the neighborhood of the Bloomberg consensus, which would suggest the economy is slowing but not crashing. Unemployment is also key. 
No change is expected, but historically, a jump in the jobless rate is a sign of recession ahead. Stronger job creation or lower unemployment would suggest the Fed will push interest rates higher for longer, disappointing investors. A consensus-like report would turn attention to next week's Consumer Price Index, a final decision point for the Fed. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Mike, thank you. Stick with us all morning for live coverage of the September Jobs Report, plus a conversation with Marty Walsh. We speak with the U.S. Labor Secretary coming up in the 9 a.m. hour on Bloomberg Radio and Television. Well, turning to oil now, Nathan, we're seeing crude head for its biggest weekly gain since March. After sliding on concerns over a global slowdown, oil has rallied since OPEC announced plans for a large production cut. And checking prices now, NYMEX crude oil is up half percent. It's at $88.93 a barrel. Brent is up about the same at $94.91. Now let's get to the latest on Elon Musk and Twitter. Karen, there is uncertainty creeping into Musk's plans to buy the company. Afterward, his offers contingent on $13 billion in debt finance. Bloomberg Zed Ludlow has more. The concern is that Musk has this $12.5 billion of debt split between a $6.5 billion loan, $3 billion of unsecured, $3 billion of secured bonds. There's also a revolving credit line in there. Times have changed since that deal and that package was agreed in April. And so I guess the concern in the background is the viability of that debt. Bloomberg Zed Ludlow reports a judge is halting the court case to allow the deal to close. He says that the transaction isn't done by 5 p.m. October 28th. New trial dates will be set for November. Shares of Twitter rose in late trading yesterday. Right now, they are little changed. Well, sticking with corporate news, Nathan, we're seeing possible signs of a bigger downturn in tech. Shipmakers are warning of slowing demand. Samsung and AMD reported earnings within hours of each other that widely missed estimates. The numbers come after Micron technology slash spending and output in hopes of stabilizing plunging prices. And Amazon's abandoning its home delivery robot in just the latest cut to the company's experimental projects. Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet has more on that story. It is the latest sign that the e-commerce giant is starting to wind down experimental projects amid slowing sales growth. According to a source, work on Scout, an autonomous machine launched about three years ago, has already been halted. An Amazon spokesperson said the Scout team was being disbanded and would be offered new jobs in the organization. A source says about 400 people were working on the project globally. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Charlie, thank you. Let's talk politics now and the conflict in Ukraine. President Biden weighing in on the war at a fundraiser in New York, expressing concern over Vladimir Putin's threats to use nuclear weapons. Biden called the threats real and says the U.S. is trying to find an off-ramp for Putin. Biden warns that if Putin deployed nuclear weapons, it could lead to Armageddon. At the same time, Karen, the president's making announcements back here at home. He announced a pardon for any American convicted of simple marijuana possession under the law. Too many lives have been upended because of our failed approach to marijuana. It's time that we right these wrongs. President Biden's also urging governors to issue similar pardons for state offenses involving marijuana. And we are just getting word that Alez Bialatsky of Belarus, known for his work in civil rights, is the winner of the Nobel Peace Prize. Again, that just crossing the Bloomberg. S&P futures are now little changed. So are Dow futures, while NASDAQ futures are moving lower this morning, down about 33 points. Ten-year Treasury down 230 seconds, yield 3.83 percent. And a yield on the two-year, 4.25%. And IMEX crude oil again up about half percent. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. 
Thank you, Karen. It's 507 on Wall Street. We're at 61 degrees in Central Park. Starting out with delays on path of signal issues between Journal Square through 33rd Street. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Nathan. Authorities in New York City say 10 people were injured, including two young children, when a police cruiser collided with another vehicle and crashed onto a sidewalk. It happened yesterday afternoon in the Bronx at Westchester and Ho Avenues. NYPD Chief of Patrol Jeffrey Madre said the patrol car was responding to a call and trying to get around a vehicle at an intersection when the crash happened. The officers crossed over the double yellow line to go around the vehicle, but the vehicle made a left-hand turn, at which point the the department vehicle and the the civilian vehicle, they clipped each other. Police say there are no major injuries. Officials in New York are looking at their next options after a federal judge struck down the state's new law banning guns in certain public areas. The law was created in response to a Supreme Court ruling striking down another New York law that restricted who could own a gun. Now officials are concerned about guns being carried into crowded areas like Times Square. The judge issued a three-day stay on his own order, allowing the state to appeal it, and Governor Hochul avows to do just that. An extremist group leader is now the first to plead guilty to seditious conspiracy in the January 6th attack. A senior member of the Proud Boys admitted to planning a violent assault on the Capitol days before the January 6th insurrection. Jeremy Bertino has agreed to cooperate with federal investigators. A gruesome crime on the Las Vegas Strip, where police say eight people were stabbed, at least two of the victims died. Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Deputy Chief James La Rochelle said the string of attacks began with an apparently unprovoked attack. That stabbing occurs quickly, and then the suspect subsequently uh, goes southbound on the sidewalk area and stabs additional victims, uh, five victims there. And, um, uh, and there was an additional victim on the south side of Sands also. Deputy Chief La Rochelle says a suspect is in custody. Grieving relatives are placing flowers at a daycare center in rural northeastern Thailand. A day earlier, a fired police officer killed 36 people, including children. Several media outlets are reporting the FBI has gathered what it believes is enough evidence to support charging President Biden's son, Hunter, with crimes related to his taxes and a gun purchase. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thank you, Michael. Almost 510 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stashauer. Good morning, Nathan. It's the game the Mets did not want to play. Did not think they were going to have to play for most of the season, but they finished tied for first with Atlanta, who won the season series 10-9. That's the Braves sitting home today, and the Mets getting ready to play game one of the best of three wildcard series at City Field with San Diego. Max Scherzer will be on the mound for the Mets. You're just anxious to get out there. You're anxious to go out there and compete. Uh, you know, everything's online. Win or go home. Um, you know, that's the attitude you have to have. You have to win. I mean, you get in the postseason, every day feels like a must-win day, you know, must-win game. Um, whether it's an elimination game or not, you, you always show up to the park like, we got to win today. So. Hugh Darvish starts to the Padres, who won the season series with the Mets 4-2. to two. The game tonight comes after three day games, starting with Tampa Bay at Cleveland. Winner of that series then faces the Yankees. The Phillies play in St. Louis, Seattle. Seattle is in Toronto. NFL and Denver went to overtime. There were 12 punts, 10 sacks, 4 interceptions, and no touchdowns. Indianapolis kicked 4 field goals. The Broncos had 3. Indy won 12-9 to get its second win of the year. Denver drops to 2-3. and three. Russell Wilson has struggled with his new team. 
Landon Collins back with his old t- team, a three-time Pro Bowl safety while with the Giants. He then signed as a free agent with Washington. He was unsigned, and though Collins won't play Sunday, he did fly with his new teammates to London for Sunday's game at Green Bay. Some preseason last night, the Islanders beat the Devils 5-2. to NHL season begins next Tuesday. And at Barclays, the Nets blown out by the Heat. Miami won by 29. John Stash, we're Bloomberg Sports. Thank you. Thank you, John. Right now, S&P futures are down one point. Dow futures are higher by 34 points. NASDAQ futures on the decline, down 29 points, or about a quarter of 1% ahead of September jobs. We'll preview the payroll data with Jennifer Lee of BMO next. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunshine pleasant today with a high near 75 degrees. It's going to be cooler this weekend, though. Tomorrow's high near 60, low 60s, and sunny for Sunday. Currently 61 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are little change this morning ahead of the latest payables report. And investors will be looking for clues on the path of monetary policy. European stocks also little change this morning. Well, now little change to higher. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures, little change. Dow futures up 42 and NASDAQ futures down 24. The DAX in Germany is up a tenth of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 230 seconds. Yield 3.83 percent. They yield on the two-year, 4.25%. NYMEX crude oil is up six-tenths percent or 51 cents at $88.99 a barrel. COMEX gold up a tenth of a percent of $1.80 at 1722 60 an ounce. The euro, 0.9802 against the dollar. British pound, 1.1206 and the yen, 144.87. And look at a Bitcoin this morning, down about two-tenths of a percent at $20,000. The September jobs report, by the way, out at 8.30 Wall Street time. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. President Joe Biden said the U.S. is trying to find an off-ramp for Russian President Vladimir Putin. Boris's threats to use tactical nuclear weapons are real and could lead to Armageddon. Biden made his comments at a fundraiser in New York City. This year's Nobel Peace Prize has been awarded to jailed Belarus rights activist Ailes Bialyatsky, the Russian Group Memorial, and the Ukrainian Organization Center for Civil Liberties. In baseball, the Mets and the Padres start their wild card playoff series tonight. Thursday night football, the Colts beat the Broncos 12-9 in a game where no touchdowns were scored. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thank you, Michael. It's 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and we are indeed counting down to the release of the September payrolls report at 8.30 a.m. Wall Street time. Ahead of that, it's time to talk with Jennifer Lee, senior economist at BMO Capital Markets. Always great to speak with you on a jobs day, uh, Jennifer. We have seen signs of cooling in this jobs market. Do you think they're going to pan out uh, when we get the actual data later on this morning? Uh, good morning, and I'm going to say yes, I believe they will pan out. Of course, we said that uh, last month, and we had that big figure again. But, uh, no, I think well, we're, we're roughly in line with expectations, looking for about a 225,000 increase uh, uh, for September, jobless rate to stay steady-ish at around 3.7%, and uh, earnings to continue to tick a little bit higher, which I think is 
probably the key number, um, just because it would probably determine, you know, how much stronger, how much, uh, you know, how much um, in, uh, incomes uh, workers are still getting and whether this is going to be a soft landing or a hard landing or if there's going to be any landing at all. Is that the key uh, metric that the Fed's looking at in terms of getting a handle on inflation? Uh, what's behind that wage number call for you? So, I mean, again, this remains a very, very tight labor market no matter what. Um, it used to be tighter, but still tight. And the, the tighter it is, the more employers are going, to be have, are going to be forced to pay out more in wages, and then that's going to fuel some inflationary fears. So I think the, 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 the Fed is going to be looking at the entire report, but I think the, uh, the earnings number will be one of the ones that they're probably going to be uh, zooming in on uh, as soon as the numbers are out. In terms of sectors, where are you looking at the uh, biggest signs of wage pressure uh, in the labor market? I'm going to say transportation, um, construction as well, because those that's two areas that continues to uh, that continue to have a very hard time finding skilled labor, uh, qualified labor. Um, you know, we're, we've we've already been seeing a comeback in in leisure and, and hospitality and uh, and retail. But uh, I think transportation, construction is, are, are, again, two sectors that continue to struggle to find workers. And uh, because of that, they are going to be forced to pay out more in terms of wages and for benefits to attract workers. Okay, so transportation's on one side, but we have seen a number of reports uh, from individual companies that they're beginning to think about layoffs again. Is that something that could pervade into the uh, broader report that we see later this morning? Um Possibly, but I still think it might be a bit too early. I mean, we've already been seeing the headlines, and it was interesting that actually that you know the Challenger Grand Christmas uh, layoff numbers don't get usually get too much airplay, but they got a little bit more yesterday, just given that there was a big you know over 60, 67 percent jump year over year in announced layoffs, but also the hiring um, intentions are also, have also slowed. People are still hiring, companies are still hiring for sure, but it's definitely at a slower pace than what we've seen in the past. Where do you see labor force participation at this point, uh, given the dynamics that you're talking about in the labor market? There has there was a, a nice tick up last month, and I think we should probably continue to see uh, the part rate tick higher. You know, when with prices on the rise, inflation still you know at, at multi-decade highs. You know, people are going to be coming off of the sidelines. You know, and I say this month after month, if you're entertaining, you know, a, a number of job offerings, you know, you're going to take one now because it's not going to last. So I think it's going to, all of this is attracting people to come back onto, into the workforce, um, and that will help push the part rate a little bit higher. Of course, we keep hearing from Fed officials that uh, rates are going to keep staying higher for longer, if not uh, continuing to see outsized interest rate hikes in the next couple of meetings here. What do you think it's going to take uh, in the labor market for the Fed to consider uh, pulling back a bit on the aggressive tightening stance it's taken? Well, it's going to be more than just this one report. It's going to be several reports. It's going to be, and it's not just the labor market. It's going to be, they're going to be looking at everything. And I think once they see inflation start buckling, um, and it's going to take some time before that is before they start to pull back a little bit. I mean, and we're, we're, we continue to look for um, a steady increase of another 75 basis points next month. But I think, and I don't think this report today is going to change that view, but it's going to uh, give a good sign of how much further into 2023 that they're going to continue hiking. I thought 
thought it was very interesting yesterday. I mean, the, the, the messaging from the Fed officials have been quite consistent, but I thought it was very interesting last night when uh, Cleveland Fed's Mester actually came out and said, you know, we are not cutting rates next year, which was a pretty strong statement. Um, um, I don't think anyone's ever has been put a timeline on rate cuts just yet. You know, they've been saying, oh, not yet, it's too soon, but the fact that she actually said we're not doing it next year was, I thought, quite telling. Yeah, very interesting to see someone get on the record uh, to that extent. It'll be interesting to watch whether uh, other Fed officials fall into that line or sort of push back against it. Thanks for this. As always, Jen, great to get your thoughts. Jennifer Lee, Senior Economist at BMO Capital Markets. As we await the September payrolls report at 8.30 a.m. Wall Street time, we will be breaking down the numbers for you live here on Bloomberg Radio, and we will get reaction from Labor Secretary Marty Wall. She joins us in the 9 a.m hour across Bloomberg Radio and Television. You'll definitely want to tune in for that. Ahead of all that, futures are trading mixed at the moment. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunny and pleasant today with a high near 75 degrees. Cooler tomorrow and for the all weekend long, highs in the low 60s, but it's still going to be sunny. Right now, 61 in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour, beginning with talk from the Fed. Central bankers are coming out in full force to talk down expectations of a turn to more dovish policy. We heard hawkish comments from no less than five officials yesterday, including Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari. I fully expect that there are going to be some losses and there are going to be some failures uh, around the global economy as we transition to a higher interest rate environment. Uh, and that's the nature of capitalism. Minneapolis Fed President Neil Kashkari said the central bank is quite a ways away from pausing rate hikes. Likewise, Fed Governor Christopher Waller emphasized the need to bring down inflation. I believe we have tools in place to address any financial stability concerns, and we should not be looking to monetary policy for this purpose. The focus of monetary policy needs to be on one thing, fighting inflation. Governor Chris Waller says the Fed needs to continue to raise interest rates into next year. We also heard hawkish remarks from Cleveland Fed Chief Loretta Mester, Fed Governor Lisa Cook, and Chicago's Charles Evans. Taking a look at markets now, Karen, futures are mixed following those comments and weak earnings from chip makers. Jessica Beamer is portfolio manager with Easterly Investment Partners. Interest rates have really been a dominant story since mid-August, and it's created some panic in equity markets around housing and financing, you know, rolling debt. I think people are really worried about kind of how those rates are going to affect individual companies. Jessica Beamer with Easterly Investment Partners says we're only starting to get hints of the full impact of rate hikes. And one of those hints could come today, Nathan, in the September jobs report due out at 8.30 a.m. Wall Street time. Stick with us for live coverage all morning. Plus, we'll speak live with U.S. Labor Secretary Marty Walsh in the 9 a.m. hour on Bloomberg Radio and Television. We have an update on Elon Musk and Twitter, Karen. A Delaware judge has halted the mid-October court case against Musk to allow his deal to buy Twitter to close. Right now, Twitter shares are up about two-tenths percent. 
And we have three winners of this year's Nobel Peace Prize. Alez Bialatsky from Belarus, a Russian human rights organization called Memorial, and the Ukrainian human rights organization Center for Civil Liberties have won the Nobel Peace Prize. The Nobel Committee said they won for promoting the right to criticize power and protect the fundamental rights of citizens. Futures this morning are little changed. Dow futures up 47, NASDAQ futures down 28, and straight ahead your latest local headlines plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 533 on Wall Street, 61 degrees in Central Park. We got a crash at the Queensbound Whitestone Bridge. I'll tell you more in traffic. First, Michael Barr's here with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. An afternoon in the Bronx turned into a horrific moment. Authorities in New York City say 10 people were injured, including two young children, when a police cruiser collided with another vehicle and crashed onto a sidewalk. NYPD Chief of Patrol Jeffrey Madre said the patrol car was responding to a call and trying to get around a vehicle at an intersection when the crash happened. Our collision investigation unit has conducted an investigation. They'll continue to talk to witnesses. They'll continue to find video. And they'll continue to piece together exactly what happened here. The NYPD's Jeffrey Madre says there are no major injuries, though everyone involved was taken to the hospital. A federal judge struck down New York State's new law banning guns in certain places. The law was created in response to a Supreme Court ruling striking down another New York law that restricted who could own a gun. Now officials are concerned about guns being carried into crowded areas like Times Square. Governor Hochul plans to appeal. A horrific scene on the Las Vegas Strip where police say eight people were stabbed in a string of allegedly unprovoked attacks. At least two of the victims were killed and six wounded, including several in critical condition. Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Deputy Chief James La Rochelle. This is clearly a very tragic and hard to understand, hard to comprehend uh, murder investigation uh, that deeply impacts our community. Deputy Chief La Rochelle says a large knife has been recovered. A member of the Proud Boys has admitted his role in the Capitol attack. Jeremy Bertino of North Carolina pleaded guilty to seditious conspiracy. Bertino has also agreed to cooperate and help federal agents with their investigation. Bertino becomes the first defendant aligned with the Proud Boys to plead guilty to the charge. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thanks, Michael. 535 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stashon. All right, Nathan. Baseball postseason begins today. New format making its debut. There used to be a single wild card game in each league, and now there are four best of three wild card series, including the Mets and Padres at City Field. The Mets forced into this series when they came up just short of winning the division. Pete Alonso was asked about last weekend when they got swept in Atlanta. People look at the uh, look at the Atlanta series, uh, and they think that's the that was the determining factor. But to be honest with you, um, we, we got swept by the Cubs like three weeks prior. So um, if we didn't get swept, if we had one more game, or if you look at 
um, I don't know, the 60-some other games where it was close. Pitchers tonight, Max Scherzer, you Darvish. Sounds like the Mets, if they win tonight, will start Chris Bassett tomorrow. Then they'd have Jacob DeGrom for either Game 3 Sunday or Game 1 next Tuesday in L.A. If they lose tonight, they'd start DeGrom tomorrow. Yankees have some decisions to make on their roster for the ALDS against either Cleveland or Tampa Bay. Aaron Boone hinted. That Matt Carpenter, who's been out since he broke his foot in early August, is ready to return. Could be used as a pinch hitter off the bench. Week 5 underway. Indianapolis 1 in Denver. 12-9 in overtime. Colts QB Matt Ryan called it a slog of a game. It was. 12 punts, 10 sacks, 4 interceptions, no touchdowns. The Giants are in London getting ready to play the Packers Sunday morning New York time. Giants just signed safety Landon Collins, who in his first stint with the Giants was a three-time pro bowler. Only preseason, but the Nets lost at home to Miami by 29. Islanders beat the Devils. New NHL season starts next week. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Maybe. Thanks, John. 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report. Here's Bloomberg's Scott Carr. Connecticut's Yale New Haven Health has signed agreements to acquire two health systems from California-based Prospect Medical Holdings, including three hospitals. They include Waterbury Health, that includes the 357-bed Waterbury Hospital, and Eastern Connecticut Health Network, which includes Manchester Memorial Hospital. They both return to nonprofit status under the deal. Liquor giant Beam Suntory is opening new global headquarters in New York City this week. Relocating from Chicago, 150 workers get a whole floor to themselves at 11 Madison Avenue in the city's Flatiron District. New Jersey's announced a half million dollars in funding that will be used to expand small business exporting. The state's Business Action Center received funding for the New Jersey STEP program to support food and beverage manufacturers in underserved business communities that want to start selling internationally. The program will provide export resources to minority, LGBTQ, women, and veteran-owned businesses. That's the Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Scott Carr. Thanks, Scott. 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Potusk on 1010 Winds in New York. We're talking about booming super yacht sales. I'm Courtney Dunahoe on KTRH in Houston. Amazon is shutting down tests of its home delivery robot in its latest cost cut. I'm Gina Cervetti, and for WBBM in Chicago, I'm reporting that a poll shows just over 43% of area households said they were very stressed by inflation. I'm Stephen Carroll on Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We've been reporting on EU leaders discussing options for capping natural gas prices as the continent races to replace supply from Russia. And those are some of the stories. Our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. In recent weeks, young female protesters in Iran have led the biggest show of resistance to the country's theocratic government in years. As the regime intensifies its brutal response, the U.S. should do what it can to ensure the movement survives. That does not mean promising more direct aid to protesters or calling for regime change, both of which would only bolster Iran's efforts to discredit the movement. But the U.S. could, for example, work with European governments to sanction regime officials suspected of abuses against peaceful protesters. The emergence of a democratic Iran would be an immensely positive development, both for Iranians and the world. Ultimately, that's a change only the Iranian people can bring about, but the U.S. should help them where it can. 
This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPIN go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. Listen for Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN go. S&P futures are higher by three points now, so still little change. Dow futures up 66. NASDAQ futures still a bit lower down 16 points. Ten-year treasury is down 132nd, yield 3.83%. Checking Twitter in the pre-market up two-tenths percent with the deal for Elon Musk to buy it. Getting a little more time. Alex Webb of Bloomberg Quick Take joins us next. Bloomberg 11.30 weather, sunshine, mid-70s to end the week. It's going to be sunny this weekend, but cooler, only near 60 tomorrow, low 60s by Sunday. Right now, 61 and clear in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are a little change this morning as investors await the latest payrolls report for clues on the monetary policy path of the Federal Reserve. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures again, little change. Dow futures up 51. NASDAQ futures lower, down 26. The DAX in Germany is up about a tenth of a percent. Ten-year Treasury down 132nd, yield 3.83 percent. The yield on the two-year is 4.25%. NYMEX crude oil up half percent or 44 cents at $88.89 a barrel. COMEX gold little changed at 17.20.20 an ounce. The euro, 0.98 against the dollar. The British pound, 1.1191. And the yen, 144.85. And Bitcoin this morning is down four-tenths of a percent at $19,900. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. President Joe Biden says the risk of nuclear Armageddon is at the highest level since the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis. President Biden's comments come as Russian officials speak of the possibility of using tactical nuclear weapons in the eight-month invasion of Ukraine. Biden said Russian President Vladimir Putin was not joking. A jailed Belarusian human rights advocate won the Nobel Peace Prize this year, along with two organizations that protect civil society in Russia and Ukraine. Les Bialatsky from Belarus, Memorial of Russia and Ukraine Center for Civil Liberties, were awarded the prize today. In baseball, the Mets and the Padres start their wild card playoff series tonight. Thursday night football, the Colts beat the Broncos 12-9. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thanks. It's just about 549 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. We want to get to the latest on the buyout drama between Twitter and Elon Musk because it will continue. The court case to force the $44 billion deal is on hold. The world's richest man is now accusing the social network of refusing to take yes for an answer. Let's get some insights now. Bloomberg Quick Take correspondent Alex Webb joins me. He's been following this saga very closely. Alex, good morning. What does this delay mean? I guess we're, there are two pieces here. It's firstly whether he can uh, secure the financing and 
if he can't, then it looks like the court case is back on. If he can, and that he can close the deal by October the 28th, because the, uh, the Delaware uh, case has been paused until then, then it seems like you know, they call the whole thing off in terms of the actual hearing and the deal goes through. So those are the two uh, phenomena we've seen over the past 24 hours or so. Let's talk about the first phenomenon because Musk, according to the filings, is now saying that the deal is contingent on him getting $13 billion in debt financing. I guess that has Twitter accusing him of changing the terms of the deal. Is is that fair to say that Musk is trying to play things both ways here? I mean, just in a matter of fact, he is literally changing the terms of the deal because this is not in the original filing. It is in the new filing. It is also presumably a reflection of reality because the way these things work is that the banks had, had pledged $13 billion in financing. They would then turn around to institutional investors and, and resell that debt Uh Interest rates, as will be no surprise to anyone, have increased significantly in the intervening months. So their ability to to refinance that debt has perhaps diminished. Now, the big question here is whether the banks are willing to uh, would prefer to take a reputational hit, i.e. from backing out of the financing or take an actual financial hit. And it may be different for different banks. So that's the great imponderable right now. uh, And is what the whole deal depends upon. This seems to raise the question about whether Musk may be trying once again to back away from this deal. Is that taking things too far to say that? I'm predicting or trying to re- read the uh, the sort of inner workings of Elon's mind is a challenging task for anyone. But we've seen time and again how he has reneged on pledges and promises and I, I don't think it would be sensible to rule anything out. There may be a game of, you know, another game of 3D chess at play here, and there is some wily strategy to try to, you know, finagle his way out of the deal. So, you know, I'm not saying that's definitely the case, but I, I think it would be unwise to rule anything out. And as far as what Twitter gets out of this, what are you looking for there? Look, there are several parts to the Twitter equation, because on the one hand, you have the Twitter investors. Uh, it looks like they would love for this deal to go through because it didn't really seem like there was much path to reaching that $54.20 per share offer without the Elon bid. The shares at one stage dipped close to, to $30 when it looked very much as though the deal was going to be off. They recovered a little bit since then. Uh, then you have, of course, the Twitter management Uh we saw from some of the text messages that uh, were re- released a few days ago that Elon Musk's uh, relationship with Paragagua, the CEO, deteriorated very quickly. It doesn't look like he would be around for much longer if Elon came in. And finally, the employee base as a whole. Uh, there is a great deal of uncertainty about what happens to headcount, which parts of the company uh, would face slashing cuts, because you hear wide criticism in Silicon Valley about the way Twitter is staffed, that maybe it's overstaffed or it's not staffed in the right areas. And so uh, they, you feel, you've got to feel a little bit for the Twitter employees right now who are undergoing a great deal of uncertainty. Yeah, we keep hearing reports and uh, 
tales, really, of uh, people, it, the uh, morale at Twitter uh, at uh, pretty significant lows here as this saga goes on. Thanks for this, Alex. Great to talk with you, as always. Bloomberg Quick Take correspondent Alex Webb with us this morning and looking at Twitter shares in the pre-market. They're below 54.20, but uh, little changed on the session, trading at uh, 49.40 right now, Karen. All right, Nathan, thank you. And it's 5.53 on Wall Street. It is time now for the Bloomberg Law Report. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning with Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. The Department of Labor updated its regulations on the prevailing wages and minimum standards for employment conditions for workers on agricultural guest worker visas. A federal judicial panel says meta platforms and other social media companies will face consolidated pretrial litigation in California. It is alleged that social media platforms cause addiction and self-destructive behavior in adolescents. A lawsuit accuses the New England Patriots Hall of Fame of damaging a flag that was autographed by Tom Brady. The flag was on loan from a private collector. Bloomberg Law. Everything you need on one legal research platform. Guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg market intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. All right, Jeff, thanks. Now another legal story we're watching. This week, a former naval officer turned attorney made his Supreme Court debut arguing on behalf of a fellow veteran seeking retroactive disability benefits. They're challenging a circuit court ruling that said a veteran can't get around the deadline of one year after discharge for filing service-linked retroactive benefits. James Barney argued that his client, Adolfo Arellano, who suffers from mental illness following a deadly aircraft carrier collision, should have the same rights as civil litigants. Bloomberg's Jim Grosso speaks to Barney, a partner at Finnegan, about the arguments. The circuit court ruled against your client. Why do you think the Supreme Court took your case? Is it a good sign that perhaps they want to reverse the circuit court? Well, I think so. Um, (laughs) I think they took the case because it's an important issue. It really has to do with fairness. There was a case about 30 years ago called Irwin. And what the Irwin case held, this is a Supreme Court case, was that people who have claims against the government, like benefits claims, should be treated the same way as litigants in private litigation with respect to this issue of whether you can equitably toll or, in other words, forgive a missed deadline. Most people in civil litigation who have a claim against a private party, if they miss a deadline, they can actually request it to be tolled under this doctrine called equitable tolling. And what the Supreme Court said in Irwin was there should be no difference between that and when a person is suing the government or seeking a claim against the government. And yet, despite that, the Federal Circuit had for many years ruled that veterans simply are not able to take advantage of that. They, they basically said veterans are somehow different. And we did not think that was fair. And so we were asking the Federal Circuit to change that law. The Chief Justice pointed out that this is an agency, the Veterans Agency, that supports disabled veterans and not an agency with rigid rules like the IRS. Does that give you hope? It does give me hope, and the Chief Justice was exactly correct there. This doctrine of equitable tolling, believe it or not, has actually been applied to allow the IRS to benefit from this doctrine of equitable tolling in order to extend or to forgive deadlines that they miss. And it would be an odd result to think that the IRS can benefit from this equitable principle, and yet service-disabled veterans cannot. And I think that was the point that Justice Roberts was getting to. 
And that's James Barney, a partner at Finnegan, speaking with Bloomberg's June Grasso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at DLaw Go. And futures this morning, they're little changed ahead of the jobs report. S&P futures, little changed. Dow futures up 59 and NASDAQ futures down 25. The 10 Year Treasury down two thirty seconds, yield three point eight three percent, and the yield on the two year four point two five percent. And NYMEX crude oil is up nine tenths of a percent. Still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, a check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. And this is Bloomberg. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.